I grew up in a church, a little church, a Pentecostal church in Rosanna called Rosanna Full Gospel Church, a church that believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. But before I even entered the doors of that church, the Holy Spirit was working. On May the 15th, 1966, two babies were born, twin girls, four weeks premature. Now, Premature babies is a difficult thing, but in the 60s, it was even more difficult than it would be if they were born today. And I was the, I was the smaller of the two twins, and they were very fearful of whether we would both survive and whether I would survive. Usually, when the, a baby was born or babies were born, they'd be announced in the church newsletter. My mother said she didn't ever put an announcement in the church newsletter because she was fearful that perhaps we wouldn't survive. But instead, we went straight to the prayer team and people prayed over these babies. People were so concerned about our well-being that even the nuns in the hospital whisked me away one night without my mother knowing, took me down to the chapel and baptised me because they wanted to make sure that my eternal salvation was secure. Now, maybe I disagree with their theology, but these nuns did it out of care and compassion and prayer for a struggling little baby. Way before I could even acknowledge God, before I was big enough to understand who God was, the Holy Spirit was working and hovering in my life. And I live to tell the tale. And here's a picture. I've just lost it. Here is a picture of us coming home from hospital. Now, I look at that picture and think my mother looks very glamorous. I think every time I returned from hospital with babies, I was in my tracky dacks. But here's my dad in a suit and my mum beautifully dressed up in celebrating the life of her precious babies. The Holy Spirit was working even before I was old enough to recognise him. And today, I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and the change that he can make in our lives. If you'd like to grab your Bibles, we're going to look at this passage in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 20. And this is a passage that that Steve read to us just before. Now, if you didn't hear Cindy's talk last week, please go back and have a look to it, have a look at it, because it was a great talk. But she talked about the conversion of Paul. Saul who was a persecutor of Christians. He was against them. Anybody who followed Jesus, he wanted to stop. And yet God stopped him in his tracks. The Holy Spirit came upon him, blinded him. It was as if God stopped him and said, you're not to persecute my followers anymore. I'm going to stop you here. I'm going to pick you up and turn you around. And I'm going to head you off in a completely different direction. So Saul, who was persecuting Jesus' followers... Name also changed, became Paul, and headed in a new direction to tell people about Jesus. Anyone who would listen. And this is the account that we are looking at today. Paul was very bold. And he approaches some disciples, some followers of Jesus. And he says to them, Hey, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? And these these followers, these disciples go, What? The Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? We don't even know what you're talking about. 
So then Paul asks another question and says, well, well, who are you baptized with? Who are you following? And they said, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was the one that came before Jesus and he pointed everyone towards Jesus. It was as if he was preparing the way so people would be ready when Jesus came. And it was like that these followers actually hadn't heard of Jesus, hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit, but had only heard of John. It was as if in a three-part series, they'd only watched the first episode. So Paul comes along and catches them up and tells them about Jesus and then tells them about the Holy Spirit. And then he baptizes them in the authority of Jesus. He lays his hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And the verses say that the Holy Spirit was manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. Here we see the Holy Spirit moving. But these followers, their Holy Spirit experience was very, very different to the Holy Spirit experience that Paul had. You see, the Holy Spirit moves as he chooses. Not always the same for everybody, but in different ways, but very, very powerfully. Sometimes I wish the Holy Spirit would work more like the Saul to Paul conversion. And I'd love the Holy Spirit to come down and fix things and change things instantly so that everything is right. Sometimes that happens. But often it's a process. It's a little bit like these followers where where Paul needed to come alongside them, he needed to teach them, he needed to give them understanding so that they too could come to the full experience of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people use this passage to give the idea that there's a second infilling, there's a second experience of the Holy Spirit. Almost like you haven't got enough, you need to have a little bit more. But when we look at this particular passage, we start to see that they weren't followers of Jesus. If they didn't know who Jesus was, how could they be followers of Jesus and how could they have the Holy Spirit? My belief is that... When we follow God the Father, Jesus the Son, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit as a complete package, not one without the other. When we follow Jesus, we also have the Holy Spirit. We have all of the Spirit. I had a friend who won the latest iPhone. She walked into a supermarket and I think she was a millionth customer in some sort of promotion and she was handed the latest and the greatest iPhone. And when she received her phone, she looked at it and she apologised to the phone saying, phone, I'm really, really sorry, but you will never reach your full potential with me. And that was because she realised she wasn't very technical and all the apps and the things that this amazing phone could do, she knew she wouldn't use half of those things that were on the phone. And I wonder sometimes too, if we don't take the full potential of what the Holy Spirit offers to us. I also uh, bought a new phone just last week. It's the first phone, the first brand new phone I've ever bought. I've always got hand-me-downs. And it was really interesting after buying my new phone. I then got an email to say that I could have my personalised 30-minute tuition with George from Apple iPhone. 
So George calls me and we have a little chat and he asks me what I want to learn and I go, oh, I don't know what I want to learn. What do I need to know? So we have this chat and George teaches me a whole lot of things that my new phone can do. And once I hang up with George because he says your half hour's up and I'm thinking I probably need three hours with George but half an hour will have to do, I then put my SIM card into my phone and it started telling me what I had to do. And one of the things I had to do was I had to get my old phone and I was told to bring it close to my new phone and I just watched as all the things on my old phone, my photos, my apps, everything, started jumping across to my new phone by it just coming close. In a sense, that's exactly what Paul was doing with these disciples. He was coming along close with the knowledge that he had of the Holy Spirit. He was coming along close with the power of the Holy Spirit and says, let me share what the Spirit has done in my life. Let me give you understanding and you can take some of that truth, some of that knowledge and receive it for yourself. The Holy Spirit is a complete package. When we choose to follow Jesus, when we believe in God the Father, we receive all of the Holy Spirit. And even though the Spirit was showing himself in miraculous ways like spiritual languages and prophecy, Paul still believed in the importance of understanding and learning. And it wasn't until these people understood that they went, I've got it. Go for it. Give me the Holy Spirit and Jesus. When we look at the passage, we see that Paul preaches for three months. He taught openly and fearlessly in the synagogue, arguing persuasively. Paul knew it was important for them to learn and understand, not just to live in the experience of it, but to really understand what the Holy Spirit was all about. And then when Paul comes across some difficulty, when people start speaking uh, evil words against the followers of Jesus, he decides to pick up his little crew of believers and he moves to another place, to a neutral ground, the lecture hall of Tyrannius. And there it says for every day, for over two years, Paul taught in the lecture hall and it resulted in everybody in the province of Asia hearing the prophetic word of the Lord. Paul taught and taught and taught every day for two years because he wanted people to hear the story of Jesus, the truth of Jesus. He wanted to make it really, really clear. I know for me, it's much easier for me to accept the working of the Holy Spirit when I have an understanding of how he works, who he is, And what he is like. But the supernatural is hard to explain. Really hard to explain. And the passage suddenly gets quite weird. But also wonderful. Are you ready? It's a little crazy. And this is what happens. In this passage it says that God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. It wasn't as if it was just miracles, but here we have extraordinary miracles that Paul is performing. So much so that people came and took Paul's handkerchiefs, like this, 
or articles of clothing. Maybe they ripped off his T-shirt and they took these pieces of cloth that had touched Paul's skin and then they would go and lay them on the bodies of sick people or people with diseases or people who were demon-possessed and they were suddenly healed. I told you it was weird. That's what they did. I don't know what Paul was doing, but it was, maybe Paul was so busy preaching and teaching that he kept doing that and they kept taking his clothing and laying it on people and they saw the miraculous, the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. God perform, performed unusual works of power through the hands of Paul. But as we look at the supernatural and it being hard to explain, one thing we must remember that the Holy Spirit is God's work. It was God working through Paul. Let's never confuse the work of the Spirit as belonging to a person. The Holy Spirit never ever spotlights a person, but just points back to God and saying, this is God's power at work. Also, there's no formula. Just because Paul had holy handkerchiefs or holy clothing that could do amazing things, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily what we need to go running around with handkerchiefs and doing weird things like that. Hey, God can heal. God can do powerful things. But this is not necessarily the formula for us to follow. Sometimes the spirit works in ways that are similar. Sometimes there are patterns. But we know that the Holy Spirit works in whatever way he chooses. Also, it is not the same for everybody. Cindy shared last week about a dream that she had and that she sensed God wanting her to go to a cafe, talk to the guy who was making coffee about the dream and tell the guy what the dream meant. Well, to be honest, that would freak me out a little bit. I'm glad God gave that to Cindy and not to me. Cindy found, felt comfortable with that, but I would feel a little bit awkward God doesn't work, the Holy Spirit doesn't work in the same way for everyone. So let's take the pressure off and not expect for the Holy Spirit to work the same for me as for that person or as for that person. And to be honest, for me, a lot of the time the Holy Spirit works in my life by what I called in ordained encounters. Often, I might be driving home from work or I might be walking or doing something and I'll just pray. I'll say, God, who? Who do you want me to call? Where are you working at the moment? Who do you want me to encourage? Who might just need a phone call or some encouragement right now? And often a person pops into my head and I call that person and say, Hi, just Bron here calling to see how you're going. And time and time again, somebody will say to me, how did you know to call me? It was a prompting from God. It was a prompting from the Holy Spirit. That's the way God works often in my life. The amount of people I run into at the supermarket is weird. And again, I believe that they are the ordained encounters that God just puts me face to face with a certain person at the right time. That's what the Holy Spirit work looks like in my life, fairly regularly. But that may not be the case for you. Let's remember that the Holy Spirit is not the same for everybody. He's the same for everybody, but he doesn't work in the same way for everybody. And a warning. 
With the supernatural comes the phonies. Every time there's something miraculous and supernatural happening, there's always somebody that goes, I want a bit of that. I'm going to try and make that happen for me. I want to do that as well. And it doesn't take us long to think about some of the televangelists or other weird people in the name of Jesus that have done some crazy things in order to copy or replica the real power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happens here. And we come across the passage with the seven sons of Sceva. Well, these were Jewish Jewish exorcists. There were seven of them. And they took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus. They'd seen amazing power through Paul, the Holy Spirit working through Paul. And they went, I reckon we could do a bit of this. So off they go, almost like they got their abracadabra ready and they added a bit of Paul and a bit of Jesus and they threw it out on this person and said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, we cast you out. And the funny story is that the demon goes, what? Who are you? I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is, but I have no idea who you are. You guys are phonies. And the story ends that they get beaten up by this demon and they run away without their clothes. can only imagine what that must have been like. A bit of a weird, scary experience. And we need to be reminded that the power of the Holy Spirit comes from a relationship with Jesus. We can't conjure it up. We can't make it happen. We can't manipulate it. It's not a magic uh, power. It's not a potion. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that works as he chooses through us when we are open, through a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes in the weirdness of the way the Holy Spirit works, sometimes we get a little bit scared and sometimes we just go, no, I'm not going near that. That's just too weird. That's none of that. And I even remember as a little girl, in, in the Rosannaful Gospel Church that I went to, they believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. People spoke in tongues. There was often healings. Lots of things were happening. And I even, as a little girl, started speaking in tongues. But I look back at my diary entrant. I think I must have been about seven years old. And I wrote, Today I spoke in tongues for the first time, but I think I was just pretending. In our heart of hearts, we want to be genuine. We don't want to be phonies. We don't want to manipulate it. We want it to be real. But in the miraculous and in the supernatural, sometimes it's hard to know, is this real? Is this really happening? But let's be gracious. Let's go on a journey together experiencing the Holy Spirit and not throwing out the baby with the bathwater because it might be a little bit scary or a little bit unusual. The most striking example of the Holy Spirit is the power of the Spirit in changing someone's life. When we look at this passage, we realise just what happened. It was amazing. Follow with me. All the people in Ephesus were awestruck both Jews and non-Jews, when they heard about what had happened, great fear fell over the entire city and the authority of the name of Jesus was exalted. So imagine the cities heard about all these amazing things that were happening. Many believers 
publicly confess their sins and disclose their secrets. Large numbers of those who'd been practicing magic took all of their books and scrolls and spells and incarnations and publicly burned them. When the value of all the books and the scrolls was calculated, it all came to several million dollars. The power of God caused the word to spread and the people were greatly impacted. Now there were a few responses to the power of the Holy Spirit. It talked about they were awestruck, they were fearful, and the authority of Jesus was exalted. I wonder where you sit when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Are you awestruck, almost in that place where you go, you're frozen, wow, that was amazing, but I don't know what to do with it? Or are you someone who's fearful, who perhaps runs away and goes, don't want any of that? I'll just leave that there. I don't think I need the Holy Spirit. Or you someone who gets excited and Jesus is exalted and you go, I want more, give me more of the Holy Spirit. I wonder what your response is. Are you awestruck? Are you fear? Or are you exalting Jesus and wanting more? But change happened. They publicly confessed their sins. They stood up and told everybody what they'd been doing wrong. They disclosed their secrets. They wanted to be right with God. They wanted to get it right. They wanted to change. And then it says that they publicly burned all their magic tools, their equipment. They were destroying them. It was as if they went, this is rubbish compared to the power of God. I don't want that anymore. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to get rid of it. No matter what the cost, no matter how valuable it was, it's going to go because I want the power of the Holy Spirit, the true power. And the verse 20 says, The power of God caused the word to spread and the people were greatly impacted. Greatly impacted. You know, Paul wanted to preach He wanted to tell people about Jesus. He wanted them to know the truth. And he wanted them to see and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So much so that the people, everybody who heard, were incredibly impacted. I don't know about you and what your experience has been of the Holy Spirit. But I have had many experiences in my life. Some big and miraculous Some instant, some slow, some involving other people and some being very personal just between God and I. But it has been very real. I know I'd love often I ask for the Holy Spirit to intervene and I wish you'd come in a zap like he did to Paul and just change things. But sometimes it's been a journey. It's been a process. I remember as a little girl, uh, I was diagnosed with celiac for all my childhood, and our church believed in prayer. And every day, every Sunday after a sermon, you could come forward for prayer. Well, I didn't like being celiac, and I couldn't imagine growing up in not being able to eat things like cakes and bread and all those wonderful things. So I would go forward every single Sunday and ask for prayer. And the amazing thing was, nobody looked at me and went, not you again. Didn't I pray for you last week about this? Go sit down. We've already prayed about that. 
But week after week after week after week, it was the culture of the church. It was, it was what they expected. It was, it was what was normal. I would just go forward and tell them I wanted to be prayed, prayer to be healed from celiac. And I would go forward and pray. It wasn't a quick instant fix. It was years and years and years of praying until God chose to heal me when I was 12. There are times when the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and I know it's the Holy Spirit because they are not my thoughts. I remember probably uh, 19 years ago, no, 21 years ago, uh, I was sitting at Lake Eildon and Troy was out in a little sailboat with Jake. He was a real little tacker, two years old, and I was sitting on the shore with baby Bronte. And as we were watching the sailboats out on Lake Eildon, a voice popped into my head that wasn't mine. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was a nudge. And it was a nudge from the Holy Spirit. It was God's voice saying, I want you to put up the sails, just like that little yacht that you can see sailing along. I want you to put up the sails because I'm going to move you. And I went, move? God, I don't want to move. I quite like where I am. I'm quite happy where I am. Please don't move me. I'm not putting up my sail. I want to stay right where I am. Now, I knew it was the voice of God because it was exactly opposite to what I wanted to do. And exactly as God said, in two years' time, we did move. And that's when we moved and we started the church new community. And not only did God move me, kicking and screaming, uh uh-uh, he changed my heart. He moved me to the point that when we started, I was excited. I was ready to go and so excited that God had spoken to me. There was another time, a year later, after we'd started the church, and we decided, well, since the church had survived, worked, we weren't sure, uh, it was time to buy a house. And we'd been looking at houses for for months and months and months, not years and years and years, months and months. And anyone who's tried to buy a house, uh, you probably understand the bit of the emotional push and pull that you go through. You find a house, you love it, you imagine your life in there, you allocate the bedrooms, what you're going to do to it, and then you go to the auction and uh, you miss it. Okay, that wasn't to be my house, and you start again. And I remember this particular house I loved, and I sat down to pray and talk to God about it and say, God would really love to live in this house. This would be amazing. And I heard God say, it's yours. (laughs) And I went, oh, really? Really? And I wrote in my journal. I wish I was more trusting, but I wasn't. I wrote in my diary, in my journal, God said that this house is ours, but I think I imagined it because I really love the house. And I didn't even tell Troy Cut a long story short, we bought the house and it was a really exciting time. It was as if God was saying to us, it was on the first anniversary of our church, he said to it, it was as if he was saying, we've created this church here, this is your church home, but now this is also going to be your, your home. You're going to live in this community as well and this is a house that you're going to live in. I know it was the voice of God because it was so contrary to what my thinking was and I even doubted it. So today, I wonder, I wonder how the Holy Spirit has been working in your life. I wonder if you're excited and you're saying, I want more of the Spirit, bring it on. I wonder if you're a bit fearful and you're going, "Mm, 
I love Jesus, but I might just leave the Holy Spirit over there. Or I wonder if you're just a bit stuck in the middle somewhere, a bit awestruck going, yep, I don't know, I'm stuck in this middle place. I wonder if today the Holy Spirit might be nudging you for more. I wonder if the Holy Spirit wants to reveal himself to you in new ways, in different ways. I wonder if he wants to reach his full potential and there's things that are blocking you from experiencing that and doing that. I hope that as a church, as we journey with the learning about the Holy Spirit, that we may be able to take that one step closer, that we might be able to experience more of the Holy Spirit's work. Not because the Holy Spirit isn't complete, we have all of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I believe we miss what the Spirit is doing. I certainly do. This is a picture of me and Digby. You might have seen Digby around at church for the past few months. So he is a trainee companion aid dog that we've had in our family for the past nine months. Well, two weeks ago, the trainer came to me and said, Bron, this dog needs to be ready in 12 weeks and he's not ready. I know he's not ready. He's very naughty. He's very stubborn. He's far from ready to be a companion dog for somebody. And then my trainer gave me the bad news and said, and actually, you can't do it. I'm going to take him off you and put him in another family with another trainer who can really focus on his training. That was a very sad day for me. But as the trainer said to me, she said, this is what's happening in your house. Digby is a stubborn dog. He loiters. He finds things like socks and knickers and jocks and he eats them. He swallows them whole. And she said, you sometimes see him grab a sock and you tell him off and you take the sock off him and then you go back to work and you're doing your work and you're distracted by other things and all sorts of things are happening in your life and he steals another one that you don't notice and another one that you don't notice. And because of that, he keeps trying because he knows he's often successful. My trainer said to me, you know what we need? We need somebody who will catch him every single time he picks up a sock or a pair of knickers or a pair of jocks. He's got to be caught out every time in order for us to train him. Bron, you are too distracted with other things to do this. And to be honest, that's where I often am with the Holy Spirit too. I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit is working, is hovering, is moving around each one of us who follow Jesus. But sometimes we're distracted. We miss the work that he is doing. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to miss the incredible things that the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. I don't want you to miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And I'm wondering if we can challenge ourselves as I challenge myself. Can I slow down and focus? to make sure I don't miss the incredible work the Holy Spirit is doing. And maybe you're someone who goes, I don't even know about the Holy Spirit because I'm still checking Jesus out. Can I encourage you to take that next step and choose to follow Jesus and with him comes the power of the Holy Spirit. There is more of the Spirit to be experienced. Let's take the full potential of what God gives us in his power. Let's not be distracted. Let's not miss the work that he wants to do in our lives individually and as a church community.